I was one of those Pentecostal babies that, that grew up under the pews. Sunday was my favorite day because it meant that I, get to, I got to go to church. You still enjoying coming to the house of God this morning? Well, praise the Lord. I have a, before we get started with our, our, our service, let's have a moment of prayer for Brother Jonathan Groan's father. Uh, they brought him to the hospital this morning. Let's take a moment and pray for him. Lord, we love and appreciate you, dear God, today. We ask, Lord Jesus, to undergird and give strength. Brother Groan's father, Lord Jesus, we ask that you move, Lord God, in his Lord Jesus. Restore him to health, Lord God, move, Lord Jesus. Let him, let him see your power, Lord God, manifest in his life. In your precious and holy name we pray. In Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. We only have a few announcements this morning. I'd like to tell you a little something afterwards. Tuesday, September 14th, we'll have Tuesday morning prayer in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. And on Sunday, October 3rd, we will have baby dedication. Please contact the church office if you'd like your baby to be dedicated. I was thinking this morning whenever I was on my way to church and, and, and thinking about this service, there's a scripture that's kind of hard to uh, apply to your lives written by Paul to the Thessalonians. It's in 1 Thessalonians 5. Chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. It says, Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. And in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's a difficult thing to do, to rejoice always. Because I know that some of you came through those doors burdened with issues and circumstances. You carried it with you like a cloak. But the Scripture says to rejoice always and in everything give thanks. What that tells me that we have an opportunity for the next 30 minutes or so to orient our minds toward God. And in doing that, and in rejoicing, and in, and in praising God, and in worshiping our God, we can put our problems in the right place. Our perspective changes. We put our, we put our enemy on notice. Do you want to worship the Lord this morning? Do you want to magnify him? Can you, can you stand to your feet? And can you lift the name of Jesus on high this morning? Let's worship the Lord this morning.
I think the master, I think the savior, I think God. 
praises of your people. You inhabit the praises of your people. And we've come to worship you today, Lord. Lord, we want to forget about everything that happened yesterday. And we just want to be with you today, Lord. Hallelujah. Can we sing it one more time?
you you may be seated for a moment as those of you that were here last Sunday are aware we have launched a theme for the remainder of this year and I feel like we're strongly in the will of God to do it and I will remind you again that uh, what that is we are moving forward again thank the Lord we're moving forward again Grace Church has been bogged down, frustrated, fearful, discouraged for the past year and a half. But by the leading of the Holy Ghost, we feel like it's time to ask those who are present on campus to join with Pastor, and let's begin moving forward again. Everybody say amen. I'm very happy to say today we have a group of students from junior high through college who are excited and they're hungry for a move of God and they're showing that. Not only are we building on that, but as a church we're committed to create an environment where they can develop and flourish. Our junior varsity team is getting more and more involved and we have moms and dads that are stepping up, giving their time and talent, working and teaching. So to move forward is to go forward and outward at the same time it's going straight and around at the same time it's consistent and determined movement towards God and our community at the same time so I'm calling on Grace Church to collectively embrace moving forward again to unify and to become one single unit and accept the challenge of moving forward and outward it's finding and doing our purpose in the kingdom and in our community, all of us at the same time. It's reaching ahead for what's ahead, for hope and promise and revival. So first we're moving forward, Godward, heavenward, moving forward to leave carnality and worldliness behind, moving forward to embrace more prayer and fasting, commitment, loyalty, devotion, and love, moving forward to love God more, the kingdom more, and even Grace Church more. And everybody said amen. We're moving forward to set aside bitterness, grudges, and prejudice. Moving forward to be pure and holy and always available for service. Secondly, we're moving forward to impact our family, our friends, and community. Moving forward with pure, unbiased motives to reach our unchurched family and friends to love them all unconditionally, to reach with godly intentions and with the spirit of true Christians to lead them to a real relationship with God. Moving forward to love backsliders, 
to always be patient and kind while carefully showing them the path to hope, healing, and restoration. Moving forward in our speech, our actions and motives without bias and prejudice, touching lives with the love of Jesus. The future will present its challenges, but we must be up for it. We must be up for it. Not by being idle, but busy, productive, and available. So Grace Church, let's move forward again. Let's clap our hands to Jesus today. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Brother Ben opened the service today and I was getting nervous. He was getting on my message. And then the praise team, the worship team started singing. And then I got real nervous that has somebody been into my notes already? It sounds like somebody has, but I believe if God has set up a service, has set aside a service, has ordained a service, it's this one. And we will get everything we need out of it, depending on how much we're willing to put into it. And everybody said amen. Thank the Lord. Stand with me one more time for the reading of the Word of God. I believe that God still has a destiny for us as individuals and for Grace Church. And as we move forward again, I don't believe He's done here yet. And I also believe that we're moving quickly and we're catching up fast. I feel a change in the environment this morning. Psalm 102, verse 11. The psalmist said, My days are like a shadow that declineth. I am withered like grass. But thou, O Lord, shall endure forever, and thy remembrance unto all generations. Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion, which was essentially the Old Testament church, for the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. First Samuel 22 and verse 5, And the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hole, or abide not in the cave. Depart and get thee into the land of Judah. And David departed and came into the forest of Herod. I want to preach to you for several hours today. The journey back to praise. The journey back to praise. I'm not going to preach for several hours. I just want to see if you were on board in case that were the case. And about three of you were. So I get the point. Everybody say, thank God for the word. God bless you. You may be seated today. Wasn't the worship team amazing here today?
They did a great job, and that trio was wonderful. Thank the Lord. It's great to hear Sister Murph sing. sing. I didn't know that was coming. kind of caught me by surprise. That's the first time she sang here in about 20 years. And it was great to hear her sing. Some of you may remember this story. But a lady was interviewed by a news reporter one time about her parakeet named Chippy. She was cleaning out his birdcage one day with a vacuum cleaner when the phone rang. She left the vacuum cleaner running and just set the hose down in Chippy's cage. Well, as you can imagine, Chippy got sucked in. When the lady realized it, she hung up the phone, turned off the vacuum cleaner, opened it up and found Chippy. He was still alive but covered in dust. And he looked horrible. So like what any good pet owner would do, she ran with Chippy to the bathroom and put him under the faucet, washes him up really good, and because he was wet and cold, she got out the blow dryer. A few days later, the reporter followed up and asked, How is Chippy? She said, Well, he doesn't sing anymore. He just sits there and stares. Kind of like... Some of us, we feel sucked in, washed up, and blown over. Literally. In Psalm 102, David was having a chippy kind of day. He was praying an afflicted kind of prayer. It was a woe is me kind of prayer. He was praying, God, don't hide your face from me kind of prayer. Don't. Hide me in the day of my trouble. Some writers has even called Psalm 102 the Psalm of Gethsemane. I would like for us to look again quickly at how David was really feeling in Psalm 102 verse 1. The heading of that psalm is, says, A prayer of the afflicted when he is overwhelmed and poureth out his complaint before the Lord. So David begins, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and Let me cry, let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me in the day when I call. Answer me speedily. He said, for my days are consumed like smoke and my bones are burned as an hearth. My heart is smitten and withered like grass so that I forget to eat my bread. By reason of the voice of my groaning, my bones cleave to my skin. Verse 8. Mine enemies... Reproach me all the day. And they that are mad against me are sworn against me. And I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping. Because of thine indignation and thy wrath, for thou hast lifted me up and cast me down. My days are like a shadow that declineth, and I am withered like grass. But at verse 12 he stops. And essentially says, enough about me. Enough about my crying and moaning. Enough about my heartbreak and depression. In verse 12 he says, but thou, O Lord, shall endure forever. And thy remembrance unto all generations. Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion for the time to favor her. Yea, the set time is come. He begins to recognize And openly confesses who God is. One of David's darkest hour of his life. With everything falling apart around him. He stopped long enough to zoom out. 
and replace all of his troubles with a portrait of the might and the magnificence of God. He recognizes that God is eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing, and that we are in the palm of his hand. Somebody shout yes. Hallelujah. In verse 13, David said, You have made an appointment with me and your church, and I have no intentions of missing it. The set time is come. Listen to pastor. I believe all of us, along with Grace Church, has an appointment with God, and it is more sooner than later. I believe something awesome and amazing is coming down the pike. I believe that not only is the families of Grace going to be blessed, but Grace Church is about to grow again and to have an outpouring of the Holy Ghost again with miracles and signs and wonders following. I believe that. So I want you to follow me for a few moments. In 1 Samuel 16, God gives the prophet Samuel an assignment. He is to go anoint the king to rule over Israel. You know the story. He goes to the house of Jesse, and Jesse calls in all of his sons except David. None of them qualify. Finally, David is brought in. And Samuel realizes that he is to be the next king of Israel. David is anointed. I would like to submit that this is about as close to receiving the Holy Ghost as we know it for the Old Testament believer. When the prophet anointed him, God endowed him with a power, a sustainability, a faith, a consistency, a determination that we see reflected all throughout the rest of the life of David. When you repent, listen to Pastor Grace Church, I'm preaching Bible. When you repent and have been baptized in the name of Jesus and receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you become a child of God. Do we understand that today? There is an anointing. There is a power that comes with that, that nothing can stop or take away except us. God gives you something that life, the world, marriage, kids, circumstances, and the devil cannot take away from you unless you allow it. David was anointed and his kingdom was to be an everlasting kingdom which would have no end. But it's up to David. He was the first link in the chain. The Bible said in Ephesians 3.19, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we are able to ask or think. We love that. We love that. But we very rarely finish it. According to the power that worketh in us. Keep following me. In 1 Samuel 16, as I just said, David is anointed. In 1 Samuel 17, he has a huge problem, no pun intended, and he takes it personal. The problem was named Goliath. In 1 Samuel 20, in running for his life from Saul, he hides in a cave in a place called Adullam. David forgot his anointing and said, I'm hiding here lest Saul find me and kill me. What David failed to remember 
is he was anointed to be king of Israel. That hasn't happened yet. Saul ain't killing nobody. Hello? In 1 Samuel 22, David has 400 of his brethren come join him. And instead of David getting on board with the anointing, getting them on board with the anointing, they got him on board with how they had been hurt and how they were afraid and how they doubted. The reason this happened is because Samuel died in 1 Samuel 20 and David lost the voice of his prophet, his pastor. I want to submit to everybody here today it is imperative that you keep the voice of your pastor in your ear whether you agree with him or not. You hear the voice of God through the word, through the Holy Ghost, and through the ministry. Everybody said amen. amen. Keep following me. You with me? Glad five of you are. In 1 Samuel 30, David finally leaves the cave and comes to Ziklag. The city is burned and his wives and family are taken away captive. Two of David's wives were listed. Ahinoam, which means graciousness, and Abigail, which means joy, or source of joy. So David lost his grace and his joy because he failed to value his anointing and his destiny. He failed to value his anointing and his destiny. And he lost his wives and families and homes. He lost the value of his anointing and power and his God-appointed destiny. David lost everything. So three things happened to David after his anointing. He had a personal battle with Goliath, his test of what he believes. He had a church battle at Adullam with hurt, fear, and doubt. And then he had a family battle at Ziklag, his wives taken and his kids and everything. So David has been tested. He passed the first test, but he lost miserably on the following two. I've come to preach to all of us who are having a personal battle, the Goliath in your life right now. I'm going to call it the what you believe or do not care to believe battle. You have to remember when David stood before Goliath, he had no experience, he had no training. He only had one thing to lean on and it wasn't his slingshot. He looked Goliath in the eye and said, you come to me with a sword and a spear. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. That right there is all the offense, defense, strategy, planning that he needs. He sounded like a king to me. He sounded like a new convert full of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'll take on the devil. I'll take on hell. I'll take on anything because God is on my side. I've been anointed. I've been given a destiny. I've been given a future. I've been given a hope. I've been given a promise. Thank you. Come on, somebody. God hasn't left you. God hasn't forsaken you. 
You are still the child of God. And it's time to look your giant in the eye and say to him again, I've come to you in the name of Jesus. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you want to win against this huge Goliath-sized battle once and for all, it is imperative that you know what you believe. Yes, David was quite skilled at shooting a slingshot, but he didn't come and tell Goliath that. He didn't even bring up the fact that he had one in his hand. He said, I didn't come to you with my slingshot, and I've got five smooth stones in my pouch, and I'm going to slug it out with you. That's not what he said. You know what he said. I'm not going to belabor the point, but I've been saddened over the past 18 months by people who have the Holy Ghost, who've been in church for years that say, well, I'm just not sure about all of this and about all that's going on and there's been some that said I'm not even sure about what I believe anymore we've been facing a Goliath oh yes we have you listen to pastor today our media is after the church we have a political system in place in this country that's after the church this ain't going away we have to understand we're going to face a Goliath of some sort every day that we live move and breathe on this planet from now to rapture or death whichever comes first but my posture is simply this whatever comes I've learned a lot over the past 18 months and somehow we have to have the grit and the tenacity to say I come to you in the name of Jesus Amen. Amen. The second battle that David faced, and there's still a handful at Grace Church, I suppose, who are still sitting in your grave of hurt, your cave of hurt, doubt, fear, your place of hurt where you've lost the voice of your pastor. And let me tell you about your brethren that you've been listening to. There's pockets here today that I'm preaching to right now. You need to hear what I'm saying. There's people here today that have been anointed by God for a destiny, a purpose in your life. And you've been hurt. Your brethren... That is, the disgruntled, unhappy, sad, discouraged, depressed, gossiping, haven't prayed through the Holy Ghost in years, haven't showed up at prayer meeting in years, and doesn't show up for church half the time, people. That's who you're listening to. God has a message for you. It's time to come out of the cave. It's time to come out of your hurt. Put on your big boy pants. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Come on now. Everybody say, come on. I need some help here preaching today. Somebody say preach it. All right, thank you. I will. Thank you for your encouragement. It's time to come out of the hurt and the fear and the doubt and coming up with reasons why I can't and why I shouldn't and why I'm not to come out of the doldrums, the dull, the unhappy place and get back into the anointing and destiny that God has for you. I want to applaud our students again here today. There's an excitement about them. I got nervous when they opened up with that really cool song, man. 
Chris Lewis, he blew it out of the park on them drums when they opened up. Boy, almost had them get up here and do that again, man. I just, just come do that again. But some of our kids started dancing and jumping up and down. Look at them go. Look at them go. They ain't in no cave. They ain't worried about no Goliath. They've got their praise on today. They came ready to praise and to worship. I love it. And please keep it up. The third battle David faced, and this is where some may be headed today. Listen to pastor. I'm losing my family. That is, in losing your family, you lose your joy and your grace and everything you've worked for. The reason church doesn't work for you in large part is because your home life isn't working. You burn out and stay burned up with your spouse and kids and the job and the lack of income and all that. Priorities are all out of whack. You work all the time and really do not give God and His kingdom, the church, your purpose, your anointing, and your gifting. None of that is hardly ever given a thought. You entertain yourself with worldly things and hang out with worldly friends and you wonder why God feels a million miles away. You're lost in a cave of disillusionment and despair. It's time to come out and make that journey back to praise, back to Judah. Let me ask a very heartfelt, sincere question today. You say, God doesn't answer my prayers anymore, Pastor. I've learned a long time ago that what the average Christian does at church, you do a lot less of it at home. So if you hardly ever show up for a prayer meeting here, then it's reasonable to believe you're not praying that much at home. And if God isn't answering your prayers, maybe it's because you haven't been praying that many lately. I'm sorry, did I say something offensive? You've allowed the devil to take your joy and grace. And you and your spouse and your kids know it and you show it. So here's my message today. While David was in a dullum, nursing his bad attitude, his hurts, his disappointments, hating life, having doubt and full of fear and so on, the prophet came to him, but not Samuel. This was a new one. We hardly even know the dude. Somebody said one time, I don't know how much corn he had in his crib. The prophet Gad, who've ever preached about him? All we've heard about up to this point was Samuel. Samuel this, Samuel that, Samuel, 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 Samuel. And Samuel dies. This sermon would be better if an evangelist was here preaching it instead of me. Because I'm not new. I ain't new to nobody here today, Hart. Y'all have heard this mouth shout at you for, well, 28 years now. But I want you to play like I'm new and you've never heard me before and I don't have a clue who you are and you don't have a clue. Let's just play like that for a minute. Pastor Gad walked into that cave, found David. It's interesting to me when Saul couldn't find David, Gad did. I found some people here today. I've located you. And I'm asking you to not and abide. Do not abide in the place you're in right now. But get back to your praise and your worship. You say, what's the big deal about praise? Because it is an intimacy with God that you won't find in any other way. It is a closeness to God that you won't find any other way. 
Amen. The Bible doesn't say that God inhabits repentance. Doesn't say that God inhabits intercession. He does. And he's there. But what the Bible does say he inhabits is our praise. You want to bring God to you? Lift up your face. Raise up your hands and begin to praise him. And he is there before you can get the words out of your mouth. I'm preaching to somebody today. It's time to come out of your tradition, your mindset, and your heartbreak. I'm preaching respectful today, but I'm preaching the word of God. It's time to get back to praise where you used to be. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. We all know that Judah means praise. So what the prophet Gad was telling David was to get out of the cave and get back to praise. We must get back to praise. I want to remind Grace Church. I want to remind every person sitting in this building. It is still okay here at Grace Church to clap your hands to stomp your feet. It's still okay to shout with a loud voice. It's still okay to dance in the Holy Ghost. It's still okay to dance in the Holy Ghost. It's still okay to dance in the Holy Ghost. It's still okay to run the aisles. It's still okay to leap for joy. It's still okay to talk in tongues. It's still okay to be excited. It's still okay to shout the victory. Come on, somebody. Get on your feet and let's praise the Lord. God, God has anointed you. And if God has anointed you and filled you with the Holy Ghost, then He's appointed you. If God has anointed Grace Church, then He has an appointment for Grace Church. And I don't want to miss that appointment. Now I meant to bring a robe with me this morning. When I was a kid, I had water on the brain and it froze and everything slips my mind. Meaning I forgot it, so this is going to be my robe today. When David was hiding in that cave, God sent him a prophet, a pastor, and he sent him a priest and a pastor. By the mouth of two witnesses shall every word be established. So Abiathar the priest came to David in the cave. But Abiathar brought a linen ephod. Everybody say ephod. That'd make a good name for a child when they're born. Name him ephod. Abiathar was the only one, the only priest that had escaped the slaughter of the 86 priests at the hands of King Saul. And so he fled to David. And when he came to David, he said, David, here's a linen ephod. Of course, we understand now that David was 
priest, king, and prophet, one of the only three men in the Bible that had those three titles. And he gave it to David. He said, I barely escaped King Saul's slaughter. And here's the ephod. An ephod was an article of clothing and an object of worship and praise in the Old Testament Israelite culture and is closely connected with priestly practices and rituals. But you will find that some 40 years later that David taught Abiathar something about the ephod. The ephod was not something you hold. The ephod is not something you carry around. It's not even something you wave in the air. The ephod is something you wear. Praise is not something you do. It's something you wear. We are here today to rejoice and celebrate. We don't just praise when times are good, but we also praise when times are bad, and we have. Praise is not a switch you turn on and off. Praise is an attitude. It's an identity. It's a government. Praise is who we are, and it is time for all of us to get back into Judah, back into the parameter, the boundary, to cross over into Judah. We don't go to it. We don't visit the border of it. It's not even something, a place you pass through. It's where we live, David. You've been anointed as a future king. You're going to be a major influence in your nation. But it's not going to work until you learn the concept and principle of praise. Why do you think David brought the ark into Jerusalem that day and acted like a maniac? One of his wives, we don't know how many wives he had, but one of his wives thought he was a nut. That you would take off your kingly garment and strip down to a linen ephod. David in that cave learned the value of praise and he never forgot it again so here today we rejoice we celebrate but it can't be just occasionally somebody asked me one time are you always happy no very rarely actually I'm never happy I'm never happy with the church I always want more I always I'm not unhappy I just want to be happier let me say it that way. But I'll tell you one thing about me. Is I never forget who I am and who God is in my life. Those are two things I never forget. And I don't want the world to see a representative of the kingdom of God. Beat down, defeated, bitter, distraught, giving up, quitting, leaving, divorcing, all of that kind of stuff. That is not the will of God in his kingdom. So in conclusion today... I put out the landing gear let me ask you this in John 11 
In the story of Lazarus, remember when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? I know all of you have your hands tied behind your back the whole time I've been preaching, but maybe there's a few here that's wiggled out of your handcuffs. How many knows the story I'm talking about? Would you raise your hand physically? There you go. There's, maybe we need to do some Bible study with some. I, I thought I'm kind of surprised that people don't know that story. Anyway, in John 11, the story of Lazarus. What got him out of the grave after he had been dead four years? Not who, what? We all know the story that he had been dead and buried four days. Watch this. In John chapter 11, verse 20. Then Martha, remember her? We talked about her Wednesday night. As soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went out and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. She didn't move. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection in the last day. She didn't hear what Jesus said. She reflected on something that she believed, but what she believed was not applicable for that moment. We've got to understand the Bible. It's not some faraway distant story that's going to come to pass some better by and by somewhere. What I'm preaching to you today can happen today. Amen. This is why I wanted to preach several hours. I'm not doing it, but I sure want to. Jesus said unto her, See, I preach this kind of stuff, but it doesn't resonate. It just. Jesus said, Your brother shall rise again. She said, I know all of that. Put him off. You don't have to go through all that story. I've heard that in church all of my life. But Jesus was adding on to that. Something that Sister Martha didn't think about your brother rising again yes it can be an event in the future but that that change of schedule totally depends on me Martha it's not written in stone on the calendar okay he said unto her I am the resurrection so what you're believing will happen one day could happen right now if you could see me as that. Well, I read, I'm the resurrection of life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Again, she slept him off. She said unto him, Yes, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which has come into the world. And when she said so, she turned around and walked off. on the screen Jesus says you got a dead brother I'm the resurrection and the life y'all believe all that see you it's what the book said I didn't see it quite like that until about two days ago and it struck me in the heart 
that how many times has God walked up and down the aisles of these buildings and say, I will heal you, I will save you, I will deliver you, I will do things in your life you've never dreamed possible. And we say, yeah, God, we know all that. Thank you very much. Thank you for the encouragement. I'll see you later. And God is saying, you idiot, I'll do it now. 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 Not only does she walk away, she lies. She went and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, The master's come and he called, he's calling for you. I don't read where Jesus said that. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now watch this. Now Jesus was not yet coming to the town, but was in the same place where Martha had met him. Jesus didn't move an inch. He just ran into this brick wall of whatever out of Martha and decided, I ain't moving. Them people don't want nothing out of me. They say they believe in me, but not now. I'm a future date. I'm sometime later. I'll procrastinate God. It's impossible for all this to happen. So he's saying, I ain't moving to these doubtless Unbelieving people. So here comes Mary. Now watch what she does. She had already had some practice at this. She comes to Jesus and falls down at his feet. Isn't it interesting in church that somebody sitting beside you can be totally lost in the Holy Ghost and the other person sitting right here don't have a clue what's going on. Jesus is in the same spot. It just depends on the posture of the people who's coming to him. So here comes Mary, and she falls down at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. And when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews weeping that which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and asked, Where have you laid him? It was that posture of Mary. Yes, she was broken. Yes, she was hurting. Yes, she was frustrating. Yes, she had just a little bit of doubt. But she took on a posture of praise. She took on a posture of adoration. That God, I still love you. I still worship you. I still adore you. I'm still committed to you. I'm still following you. I'm not bitter. I'm not disappointed. I'm not hating on you. I'm not blaming you. God, I'm still here. I don't understand what happened. I don't understand it. I don't have a grip on all this stuff. I can't get my head around it. But I'm still going to worship. I'm going to praise. I'm going to adore the King of kings and Lord of lords. Everybody stand. Everybody stand and raise your voice to heaven right now. Oh, my, 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 my. I'm not going to ask you today, are you into praise, meaning do you agree with it? I'm asking somebody here today, are you ready to start living it? Is it going to be reflected in your lifestyle and your attitude? Do you love Jesus no matter what? Do you praise Him no matter what? I'm reminded of a song that Russ Taff, you old folks like me will remember who he is. All of you people don't have a clue who that is. 
But he sang a song years ago, and I've never forgotten it. When you're up against a struggle that shatters all your dreams, and your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes, and you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fear, don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Now, Satan is a liar, and he wants to make us think that we are paupers when he knows we're children of the king. So lift up that mighty shield of faith, for the battle must be won. We know that Jesus Christ has risen, and the work's already done. Praise the Lord, he said. He will work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord. For God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord for the chains that seem to bind you. Serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise Him. Praise Him. So, this will come as no surprise. I'm not sure if David wrote this psalm or not, but it wouldn't surprise me. But it's so appropriate that the book of Psalms concludes with it. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with a psaltery and harp. Praise Him with a timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the line, the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything, everything, Kelly, Ryan, Darren here, I don't see him. Is he working? You want something to praise the Lord about? You people, Shelly, great to see y'all here today. Y'all could tear this building down over what just happened in your life. I know you're grieving over your mama. She was an awesome lady. But look at the miracle God performed when she took her last breath and made her place to an ascent heavenward that we can't even get our heads around. And she's there today rejoicing and shouting glorifying God. I believe my daddy's there. My mother's there. There's a host of people. Brother Richard, what a miracle! Miracle. Do you miss her? Absolutely. But we have a hope and a promise. We need to remember these things. I got in bed last night and wallowed for about two hours. Rehearsing this sermon in my head, the song popped into my head. He brought me out of the miry clay and set my feet on a rock to stay. My soul cries out, hallelujah. We've been forgiven of all of our past, every nasty sin. There's people here today that's been forgiven of adultery, fornication, You've been delivered from alcohol and nicotine and drug addiction and God only knows what else. That ought to put you out in the aisle running and screaming like a wild Comanche. 
time, it's time, Grace Church, it's time, Grace Church, to get out of this mindset that we've married ourselves to it over the past 18 months that God seemingly has forgotten that we're going all going to hell in a handbasket. The world's falling apart. Afghanistan has fallen to probably the most brutal people on this planet. And we don't like our government this and that. We don't like the governor this and that. We don't like this and that. We don't like Walmart anymore. We don't like this store and that store. We've got all these issues and problems when we forget. We forget that God is still on our side. God is still on our side. And he's pushing back the darkness. He's pushing it back. Imagine what this world would be like if we weren't here. God, I feel the Holy So I'm going to ask somebody to get out your linen ephod. To get out that ephod. And you put on your garment of praise. And you dance. And you shout. And you rejoice. Because God is still great, and He is still greatly to be praised.
just want 